0: On to the science fiction. Story number one Missing in Action, written by Grenadier 42. Commander Kalori was not having a good day. It had much less to do with the overall day. The light rain and the general cloud cover reminded him of home and lifted his spirits, and more to do with the particular incident that he was going to have to review. He had received several complaints about Officer Jaloux, some of which were probably well warranted. But any time the discriminatory behavior against a fellow soldier box was checked in a report, he had to conduct an interview personally. He looked at the incident report again. Officer Jaloux had been filing casualty reports when issue was taken with the phrasing of one of the reports. The offended party had resented a case, and Officer Jaloux had disagreed. After a request to speak freely was granted and some words were exchanged, a full broad argument erupted, complete with shouting and questions of lineage. Commander Calori sighed and closed all four of his eyes and gently rubbed one of his feeding tentacles. His mother would be aghast with him if she could see it, but she had given her body to salt long ago and so he felt comfortable in this childish behavior. After a moment, he collected himself and pressed the intercom button. Zechti, can you please ask Officer Jaloo to come in when they're ready? He said into the speaker. A moment later, the door chimed, and the Officer Jaloo strode confidently into the room. His neatly manicured claws clacked quietly on the floor. His feathers were brushed down and smoothed, and his beak was firmly closed. Good, thought Kalari. He's nervous about this. That means he might have a chance at teaching moment. Please, Commander Kalori said as he motioned with his arm towards the chair in front of his desk. Officer Julu hesitated for only a moment before taking the chair, and Kalori smiled inwardly. He had chosen the chair special for this meeting due to the nature of the disciplinary hearing. It was a Kakari chair, complete with a grasping pole so that they could properly relax their feet by locking the claws around it. He had been told that it was very soothing, sort of like a Kandari's moisture bath after a hot day. Commander Kalori then looked back down at the disciplinary paperwork and picked up seeing it for the first time. He shuffled through the page here and there, squinting at a part or two, before finally putting it down, quickly enough to notice the officer doing their best to sit properly without looking too nervous. "'I would like to hear your side, officer.' Dolores said, finally, as he put the paperwork down and looked up. He kept his feeding tentacles relaxed and his others in a neutral position gathered around himself. He clasped his hands in front of himself as well, emanating an aura of pure interest and willingness to understand. Officer Jaloo nodded briskly, "'Sir?' We were scouting an area known for hiding a black cell of one of the leading slaver gangs, the Pandonics. We had arrived by a dropship and had begun scouting when we were subjected to heavy fire from several hidden positions. After a period of sustained heavy fire, during which we took several casualties, we were able to retreat to a defensive position and call for an evac. Private Susni unfortunately was cut off and we were not able to maintain position long enough to get her out. Kalari nodded cordially. Yes, officer, I know the incident report about your engagement with Black Cell. He picked up the paperwork, held it up for Jaloo to see, then put it back down again and began tapping on it. I want to know about this. Officer Jaloo, his said, Ah, uh, yes, um, sir, I was getting to that. He took another moment to compose himself before continuing. After our return, I had to file an incident report, since the Pandalex is known for not taking prisoners. I listed all those left behind as killed in action. Private Martin took issue with this, telling me that Private Sassni might still be alive. And what did you tell Private Martin? Kalari asked as he steepled his fingers in front of his face and leaned forward. Chulu bobbed his head again. I told him that Private Snazni was dead, and that while regrettable, we would be holding a culturally appropriate funeral for her once we had returned planetside. Did you see Private Snazni go down? Kalari asked carefully. He kept his eyes on Julu, making sure they only ever blink one set at a time, so that the Kakari always felt watched. It was a trick that he'd picked up from watching other species, and it always seemed to unsettle everyone. Ah, uh, well... No, sir, I didn't, uh, but considering that we— Did you see her get shot? Kalari asked, keeping his gaze steady. N- no, no, sir. Kalari smiled and began waving his hands dramatically as if he listed off from an incredulously ludicrous list. Electrocuted knife, laser, chopped in half, hit with a planetary orbital defense platform round. He stopped and looked at the officer. Anything— "'No, sir,' Julu said, with an incredulous look spread across their face as their beak clamped tightly shut. "'Then when was she killed?' Kalari asked firmly. "'It is best to assume—assume!' Assume, Kalari bellowed. "'Officer Jaloo, did I ever ask you to put your assumptions on this report, or did I ask you to put the facts of the incident?' Officer Julu's eyes flashed, and Kalari could hear the scraping sound of the ground, and his beaks attempted to control his own temper.' After a moment, he quietly said, "Permission to speak freely, Commander?'' ''Granted,'' Kalari said as he smiled inwardly. This teaching moment was almost upon him. ''Private Sassni is dead, sir, along with several others.'' ''Jaloo,'' said coldly, ''and your ludicrous questions about orbital defense rounds not only insult her memory, but my own command.'' ''The Pandalex do not take prisoners. That is a known fact of truth.'' He unclenched his claws and stood up, staring at the commander. I wrote in that report what is fact, yes, I assume she died, but that is because no one has ever lived. Which is better, to clutter the report with our own emotions or to state the facts so that we might accept them and move on. Kalari leaned back in his chair, a faint smile spreading across his mouth. Sit down, officer. I think I'll stand, sir. Kalari furrowed his brows and glared up at the officer, holding out a single arm to indicate the chair, until the kakari finally broke and sat down. Nodding once, Kalari relaxed back into his chair and stared at the opposite party for a few moments in silence. ''Private Martin is human, correct?'' Kalari finally asked, causing Jalut to nod. ''How much do you know about humans, officer?'' If I am honest, Jaluz said, ruffling their feathers, not as much as I thought I did. Then let me tell you a story, officer, Galari said, as he adjusted slightly in his chair, from back when I was in your shoes. The quarrels were in the middle of a civil war and had requested Galactic Assembly for aid. Naturally, the Assembly refused until fighting began to impact the systems uninvolved with the initial conflict. I was part of a group sent down to help out. Kalari sat up suddenly and leaned over, reaching into the lower cabinet of his desk. As he did so, he kept talking. There was a sector, 411-AX, that needed to be taken. It was very deep in the mountain range, and it housed the biggest anti-ship guns that I've still ever seen on the ground. He paused as he found what he was looking for, then sat back, holding up two glasses and a bottle. He poured two drinks and passed one to the Jaloo. If we wanted to start getting troops on the planet to calm things down, we had to make sure that those guns were silent. Kalari continued after taking a quick sip of the drink. The only problem was, the heirs to the true king had dug in deep, and there was no easy way to get up those guns. We had tried bombing them, but short of glassing that part of the planet, we couldn't get them out. They knew it, we knew it, and everyone in command was pissed. Kalari took another sip and motioned for Jaloo to try it. He sighed in contentment afterwards, and his face fell slightly. Three humans volunteered to go in and put a stop to it. Jason Thalhammer, Chelsea Guerrera, Nicole Davies. They asked everyone to keep their seats warm on the INVAC vehicle, and then snuck up on one night. For two days, we sat there, shivering and hiding in the cold, cursed mountains, when an explosion rocked what felt like the entire planet. We saw fire bulging out the holes and we didn't know where part of the complex. And then smoke. So much smoke. Then Kalari sighed. Then everything went quiet. We waited, but command would only wait so long when the conflict was still raging. He then reached into the drawer right in front of himself and pulled out a folder. He opened it and turned it so Chelu could see. Inside were three military profiles with the names Jason, Chelsea and Nicole. What do each of these say? He asked as he slid across the desk. Jaloo took a look at the folder and flipped over each one. They all say missing in action, and they always will, Kalari said. Not until we can identify some remains, or until they walk through the door and say Private Thalhammer reporting for duty, Kalari added with a sad smile. What do you remember about humanity's uplifting? Not much, I'm afraid, Julu said as he carefully put the folder back on the desk. They bury their dead, Kalari quoted, and it holds true. Humans, more than almost any other species, need funeral rites. They need to see a body, especially when it comes to packmate. Why? Julu asked incredulously. Because they are notorious liars, Kalari said with a quiet chuckle, especially to themselves. If they can convince themselves of their favorite reality, they will do it without hesitation because it gives them hope. Therefore, if you try and tell them that a pack mate is dead, and they cannot see the body. They will not, cannot accept it. I see, Jaloo said quietly. So by listing Private Sassni as dead when she was still alive last we saw her, I was denying Private Martin any hope of seeing his friend again. And you were denying him his own truth, Kalari said. When there is nobody, there is always hope that they will come back. Julu nodded slowly, his feathers dropping into a quiet contemplation. I think I understand now, Commander. This will not happen again. Good, Kalari said. You are dismissed. Julu got up and began walking out the door when Kalari suddenly called out to him. Oh, "'One last thing, officer,' Jaloo turned around. "'I need you to take a small team to the Antari system. "'There's a report that a blood market may be going on soon, "'and the Pandalix have been known to sell captured military personnel for the sport.' "'Jaloo's eyes slowly went white as the reality of what Commander Kalari was saying settled in. "'He then stiffly saluted and said, "'Requesting permission to have Private Martin be part of the team, sir.' Permission granted, Commander Kalari said. And good luck. End of story. Story number two. We knew it wouldn't work. Written by Oslodo. The Bagak ambassador portrayed level the stare at its opposite number in the way it had learnt would unsettle humans. Staring came naturally to a species without eyelids. Being nameless and without gender, also interfered with human language, and the ambassador was strained to use this to its advantage in negotiations. It was all annoyingly ineffective against the human, it seemed. Dave was equally well trained. This time, it was staring at Dave because concerned VCAC traders wanted to know why advanced human technology required proprietary wireless power sources, designed to be impossible to reverse-engineer and sold at an extortionate rate by the humans. That would be understandable, even expected business strategy, but it would be polite for the humans to say why this was the case. According to the humans, that reason was, uh, magic. Magic is the invention of primitive societies to explain that which they cannot understand. What is the real explanation, it said? "'Well,' Dave started, and the ambassador tried not to sag in impending, long-winded, but probably informationless story. "'It started when we tried to travel to another universe, which, of course, failed. Another civilization would have just sold you the research quite cheaply for such a dead end. We knew it wouldn't work, but it was very interesting to try it. Getting to another universe is strangely easy with the right molecular circuits.' But when you get there and find that physics work differently, maybe electrons have twice the charge or E equals mc3, or something other minor differences. All those minor differences are explosive. Please skip the hatchling-level educational material. The etiquette is for chimps and hive queens. Surely the GAC human relations can stand a little abbreviation. Fine. We pulled instead of pushed, importing some new fundamental forces in a small area around our wireless supplies. Magic is real because we invented it. The ambassador stares at Dave for a different reason now. I, uh, would have been happier not to know that the universe around me is being warped to humanity's whim. Dave smiled that unsettling human smile. At least you didn't ask what we discovered when we failed to time travel.